Hey everybody, this is Andre and I'm here with Michael and welcome back to Radically Normal. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the conversion of Paul and give an introduction to the book of 2 Corinthians, which we'll be talking about for season three of our podcast. We're super excited. Enjoy the conversation. Hey everyone, I don't typically stay up very late, but Andre had me up till past midnight last night talking all about how the vaccine was the mark of the beast and a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, that is not true. That's not true. Michael is spreading false information right here. Yeah, that's I was false. Actually, I was actually thinking of getting the vaccine uh, because it's being offered by my university. But um, unfortunately, all like a thousand spots that they had for this week were filled up very, very quickly. So there's like a program to get on a wait list or whatever, and we'll see what happens. But I'm glad that it's being more available to, to everyone now. It's It should be good for the country opening up and all that. Yeah, we're, I'm just totally messing around. Neither of us thinks that whatsoever, but uh, yeah, we're pumped to dive in today. Uh, but we haven't been on Radically Normal or on any podcast sort of platform for a couple months now. So what have you been up to? Uh, give everybody an update. Oh, we've been taking a sabbatical of sorts from Radically Normal and, <laughs> and, and the world of podcasting. Much needed. We've, I would say both of us have been back on the school grind, which has been good. And I'm uh, back in Atlanta now, finished up my uh, internship down in Houston, and it's been a good semester. Um, lots of uh, fun times with friends. School's kind of tough, but try not to focus on that. Um, got to climb today for the first time, which you guys know Let's is one go. of Michael's favorite hobbies. Let's go. So maybe I'll get into that this summer. Um, besides that, I mean, not too many other life updates. Um, last night on the call that I had with Michael, um, my girlfriend was actually on it, so that's, I guess, somewhat of a life update. Yes, sir. Uh, for you guys, most of you guys don't know me, so it won't mean much to you, but um, anyone who's listening who does know me, uh, you can text me about that if you want. But <laughs> I am super excited to, to get back on the, the um, podcast work going through Second Corinthians. Um, my personal study, I have been going through the book of 1 Samuel, per Michael's recommendation, and that's been super life-giving, and I think I might... Uh, jump into uh, the book of Hebrews next. We'll, we'll see. But it's been a good time. What about you, Michael? Well, Andre's too humble to say it, but I'll just kick this off by saying that he is about to begin, or actually when this episode comes out, he'll have just started teaching a Bible study at his church through the covenants of Scripture, starting with Adam and uh, going all the way through. So I am uh, pumped to hear how that goes for you, buddy. And uh, it's been good, bro. From Adam to new Adam. Yes, sir. From Adam to new Adam, from Eden to the new Eden. And so, yeah, that sounds super exciting. Uh, happy to hear about that one. And uh, yeah, for me, it's been good as well. Haven't been in First Samuel, but I've been uh, discipling some guys, teaching through Exodus and Revelation. And uh, those have been super life-giving, super uh, helpful, especially on opposite ends of Scripture. But Exodus is seen constantly throughout Revelation, uh, which has been super, super good. And uh, intramural softball is kicking off right now, which is... Uh, you know, one of the best things possible. So pretty pumped about that as well. But yeah, I'm just really excited for the season. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. And yeah, it's been a good balance of, you know, mind, body and spiritual life. So I think both of us are in a really good place and excited to get into Second Corinthians, which will pretty much take us through the end of the semester and take us into the summer, which will be really, really good. Um, unfortunately, I won't be home this summer, so we won't get to really record as much. 
um, back home like we did last summer when COVID was going on and all that. But we're kind of used to this whole uh, recording not in the same place. So we're getting pretty good at it, getting pretty good at the interviews. We've had some really cool interviews, and you guys will get to hear one on Thursday, which uh, will be awesome and was super, good, super convicting super for me. Oh, yeah. And Michael will tell you that it has really been life-changing for both of us, I would say. Oh yeah, for sure. It has influenced our text messages daily as you'll as you'll hear more about. So yeah, you ready to jump into uh, who Paul was? And I'm super excited about this because uh, I was actually reading something recently about, uh, I don't remember what directed me this way, but what Bible or what Enneagram certain Bible characters were. And uh, the example listed for a type one was Paul. And uh, I don't remember if anyone has uh, recalled when Andre and I talked about this before, but I'm a one, so I thought that was pretty pretty fascinating. But uh, guys, Andre is a three, and the two examples given for him were Moses and Jacob. Now, obviously, we don't know these people in person, but those are some speculations. So, Andre, how do you feel about Moses and Jacob? Were there any, like, third options, maybe? Well, those are the <clears> two <throat> I read, bro. I mean, how are you going to complain about Moses? Moses is pretty dope, but I just think think of, like, an old... Kind of guy. Like I don't really know if I. I don't really know if I vibe with that. So, I mean, I mean, were those really the only two options? That's what I read, bro. But how? And Jacob. I mean, okay, he had some low moments. He he did. But he saw the angels <laughs> ascending and descending up the ladder, and he also wrestled with God. And I'd say that's pretty sweet. So I don't know about you, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too feeling too too down about those. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, one, one thing we didn't plug is both of us have nice uh, coffee with us right now. And um, like Michael said, it, it is the perfect drink as we, like Michael said, getting into the story of Paul and also going to be jumping into Second Corinthians today. And I just wanted to say that we're going to be starting off this season with a good emphasis on helping all of you guys change your lives from Saul's to Paul's. And that's how we're going to kick Bro, off. Bro, get uh, out of here. <laughs> Andre knows, as we'll get to later, that we want to talk about, or I want to talk about, how Saul did not become Paul. They're the same person. God did not change his name like uh, Abram became Abraham or Jacob. Uh, Andre's Enneagram buddy became Israel. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll hit that later. So, Andre, just kick us off. Who's Paul? Tell me something about where he's from. What do we got going here when we, when we jump into 2 Corinthians and we know it's written by Paul? Uh, start talking about him. Yeah, so I think a lot of people... Um, really, like, really are fond of Paul, and a, a lot of uh, Christians who um, do, uh, you know, spend any amount of time in their Bibles. You know, many of them will say that they love the New Testament. They love um, Paul's letters, the epistles, and um, I think it's really cool. But I think a lot of people don't know some of the key information about Paul, and I agree. maybe some about of, of his background. Um, I think when we think of Paul and and the comment I made earlier really was just a joke, and it is something funny that I mean not really funny. I mean there is some truth to it. I mean a lot of truth to it that you know God can turn the, you know the worst of people in, into um, people who are chosen instruments, as it says in the Bible of Paul. Um, I mean, but I mean the funny part is that you know people people are really focused on the name change there, right? But I mean, anyway, I think it is interesting to think about because a lot of people think that um, Saul or Paul, uh, as he was persecuting Christians, that he was some kind of uh, maniac who was super um, just ungodly, hated God, uh, you know, probably someone who um, was like this big sinner 
and made a bunch of like immoral decisions and, and all that kind of stuff. But actually, um, you know, it, it talks of in the uh, in the Bible of his of his background of, of being someone who actually held on to uh, many of the traditions, the laws of um, of the Jewish tradition and someone who, you know, was very um, in tune with with many of the rules and regulations that went along with that, which I think is something that some, a lot of people don't really think about um, when they think about Paul. And it's really interesting to think about as it um, associates to his conversion story and what was going on before uh, he was um, working as uh, that chosen instrument and building up the church uh, through the known world. Yeah, man, that's so good. Uh, like like you said, I think that's a great place to start because uh, as Andre alluded to, he grew up in a family of Pharisees and the Pharisees get a bad rep because of how they're portrayed in the Gospels, which is completely true. We believe the Gospels 100%. Uh, but you have to understand, I think, uh, or we all do, that the Pharisees were people who believed themselves to be stepping into the tradition of, traditions of Israel and being covenantally faithful to God. So he grew up soaked in ancient Israel's laws, traditions, and so forth, as Andre was saying. And uh, in N.T. Wright's biography of Paul, this was really uh, moving for me. Uh, N.T. Wright says, Paul gives every impression of having swallowed the Bible whole. He moves with polished ease between Genesis and the Psalms, between Deuteronomy and Isaiah. He knows how the story works, its heights and depths, its twists and turns. He can make complex allusions with a flick of the pen and produce puns and other word plays across the languages. And so Paul is steeped in scripture. He's steeped in the Old Testament. And he tells us in Philippians 3, he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, which we're going to get into, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul is seeing himself as somebody who is stepping into being as faithful to God as possible because he wants to see Yahweh's kingdom come on earth. And, you know, and, you know that uh, verse that you just read was from, like you said, Philippians 3. But, you know, you stopped, um, you know, right before, you know, the key part that, that really points to, you know, what what his conversion story, what it all meant. Like, what was the significance of it? Um, I mean, I don't know if you have it pulled up, but if you don't, um, I can go ahead and, and keep reading the, the next couple lines that are, are just so great and really just embody uh, the work of, of Paul and um, many of the letters that he wrote. Go for it. I don't know if you want to go for it. All right, sweet. Um, so looking at uh, verse... Uh, seven, which is exactly, uh, it, it's it's right after exactly what Michael just read. But whatever gain I had, it counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness in my own, of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. And that's just really awesome. There, Those are just eight, nine, ten, uh, maybe eleven verses in it that are just so so great, and really just paint a beautiful picture of of who Paul was and um, you know who Paul became through faith because of God's grace and how God used him as His instrument to spread um, His word and His glory, and how Paul was all in on that, all about that, and you know that was his sole priority, and uh, that's you know really inspiring. Yeah, I totally agree. He was all in, like you said. And what's interesting is in Philippians 3, it talks, Paul says, 
uh, let me let me go back to it right here. He says, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And so this is kind of going back into some Old Testament history, which at this point, I hope everybody knows that I am an Old Testament geek, if, as somebody yeah, might man, say. Yeah, man, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So in Numbers chapter 25, the Israelites begin to marry Moabite women. The ESV says they began to whore with the daughters of Moab. And so Israel was led into idolatry. This is right after the Balak and Balaam story, the talking donkey. Maybe you've heard of that. Well, the next chapter right after all that. Uh, good stuff is this chapter. And so one Israelite brings a Midianite woman into Israel's community and Phineas kills the man and the woman. And afterward, Yahweh says that Phineas had God's own jealousy. They matched and he approved of Phineas's zeal and gave him his covenant of peace. And so uh, N.T. Wright also talks about how Elijah is in this line of zeal. But when Paul talks about zeal, he's seeing himself in this line of Phineas. He's all in for God's glory. He's all in for the kingdom to come. So he wants to protect the, the people of God. So when Jesus comes on the scene and when people begin proclaiming the gospel, Paul sees it as a threat to the original people of God, to how he would have interpreted the Old Testament. And so, Andre, how does that play out? When he... If he's trying to defend the Jewish community, what does he end up doing? Yeah, so I think uh, what you're getting at here is, is you know, like like you said, the persecution of the church. Exactly. Um, in the days, uh, you know, after Jesus sends back to heaven, um, the church is, uh, you know, around this time, like, spreading, but Jesus isn't there. The disciples are scared. Um, you know, church is growing, and they're being heavily persecuted. Um We've talked a little bit about uh, this in, in previous episodes, but just about how, um, you know, the scattering of the church, Paul, uh, Paul or, or Saul, I guess you would say, uh, was going around killing uh, people who were uh, um, converted and, and, and seeking after Christ um, during this time. And this is before his conversion story, um, which is interesting that he would be the person to be converted and uh, interesting that Saul or Paul would be the one to go and end up writing um, all of these letters to all of these churches and that they would end up being in the, in the larger um, canon of scripture and, and how um, incredibly, you know, pivotal all these are to, to our faith today. Yeah, great summary. Do you care if I go ahead and jump into Acts, like Acts 8 and 9, where we start to, where we see this kind of play out and how he, like his conversion story? Yeah, for sure. Let's jump into that. I think that's really good. And um, I think uh, the, the thing is, uh, we're, we're going to jump over this this other part about some other debates on, on 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 Paul and all that. And I think that you know, just the important thing to to keep in mind when it comes to Paul and and, and he did write a bunch of letters. If you listen to our IGTV um, series, um, he wrote like the majority of um, all the letters in a lot of the New Testament. And can I throw you know, just, something in here? Yeah, it's, for sure, man. It's weird because you always hear that Paul wrote 70% of the New Testament. And one day I was thinking about that and I was like, there's no way that's right because the Gospels and Acts and Revelation are so much longer. And then so we attribute 13 of 21 letters to Paul. So 13 of 21 letters, because there's 27 uh, New mm -hmm. Testament books. So we have the four Gospels, Acts and Revelation. Those are six plus 21 letters. If we attribute 13 of 21 letters to Paul, that's like... 60% of the letters going to Paul. And then that's not even including all the gospels. So I'm just curious where 70% of the new Testament even came from, but that's just me. Yeah. I'm not really sure where, where that number that you threw out there came from, but 
what I was going to say is that the important thing is is to remember that um, despite anything of, of uh, Paul's past or, you know, what he was doing before he was converted or, you know, any misconceptions there might be out there about him, the important thing to remember and as we start going through the book of Second Corinthians where um, there is these hints of, of Paul defending himself and uh, defending um, his work and his, and his ministry and all that, the important thing to remember is that, you know, these words aren't just, you know, random letters that Paul was writing. You know, these are inspired by the Spirit, and these are pivotal to um, our faith. And uh, like you, you know, email radicallynormalpod uh, at gmail.com or whatever. If, you, if anyone ever tries telling you something about, you know, Paul this or that and not being able to, you know, listen to one of these, one of the, one of the letters in the Bible or whatever. But, you know, just keep in mind, and, and something that, you know, to always remember is that, you know, everything in this book here is inspired by the Holy Spirit and um, there's no misconstrued um, words or, or verses or whatever. You know, we as humans are the ones who misconstrue them and, and, and change them into something that they're not. So that's the one thing I'll say before we go into uh, uh, the book of Acts and, and Paul's conversion. Amen, brother. So getting into Acts, if, you, if you're not familiar, the first martyr of the Christian first, uh, the Christian church, the first witness to die uh, because of his faith was Stephen in Acts chapter 7, who goes into great biblical theology of Israel's history leading up to Christ, and then he is stoned to death. And then so we see at the beginning of Acts chapter 8, it says, and Saul approved of his execution. And a few verses later, it says Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. So as we get into chapter 9, skipping ahead, it says Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, Jesus. And he went to the high priest and asked him to go to Damascus to try to continue what he was doing. Remember, he's trying to purge the Jewish community of what he saw as the true, uh, as the true faith. And so he wants to persecute the Jesus followers. And in uh, chapter 9, verse 3, we see that a light from heaven shone around him. And so this is the beginning of his conversion. And he falls to the ground in a voice, who we know as Jesus now, as you continue reading. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this is a complete side note, but it's interesting because Paul's not Saul, Paul. He's not uh, He's not persecuting Jesus. He's persecuting Jesus's followers. So we see Jesus closely identify with us as people uh, in this. So the light shines around him and uh, Jesus tells him to go into the city and he'll be told what to do. And so after this conversion, we eventually see later in chapter nine, Saul proclaiming Jesus and everybody's scared, shocked, uh, bewildered, bamboozled, whatever you want to say about the fact that this guy who was killing Christians, torturing them, murdering them, dragging them off to prison is now the one who is spreading the gospel, the exact message he saw as an opposing threat to uh, the Israelite community. You know, one thing I'll say about that, like a really cool thing about a lot of people always focus on, you know, here uh, Paul was on his way to go persecute even more Christians when he has this encounter um, with, you know, Almighty God. And, you know, but another thing that reading this back again and something I hadn't really thought about before was actually um, the encounter that uh, Ananias had um, with with the father. And the interesting thing there is that, you know, he says he calls him by name, first of all, which I mean, that would be tremendously terrifying. I don't know what I do fall <laughs> on my face. But, That's what he did. I mean, the I mean, yeah. And then the crazy thing is, he's like, you're going to go and and 
uh, you're going to find this guy, uh, this your buddy Saul. I'm guessing everyone just knew everybody then, or, or Saul's um, killing of Christians must have just been that well-known. Um, but our boy Ananias goes, I know this man, and he's going around killing all the saints. He's offended you. You can't be right, God. And God's like, what do you mean I'm God? I know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. And I just really re related with that so much where it's like, you know, God just like calls you by name, tells you exactly what to do. And you're like, but God, like, there's no way that you're, that you're right here. That, that, that can't be what you really want me to do. And I think a lot of times we do that, um, especially, you know, when it comes to, you know, um, what is that phrase uh, that people used to use back in high school, dude? Like the uh, Christianity, we just pick and choose stuff off off the table or oh, whatever. And, and, and well, there's buffet table and buffet cafeteria yeah. Christianity. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go for one of those. Okay. And I think that's what we do a lot of times, where it's like we got the Bible right in front of us, it's telling us to do something, and we're like, no, that's that. That can't be what it means. Wait, uh, are you familiar with? No the, are you familiar with the Thomas Jefferson Bible? No, no. What is that? Well, so Thomas Jefferson liked some of the moral teachings of the Bible, but he found all the supernatural stuff or Jesus's miracles, for instance, to be oh my horrendous and fake. So it's a literal thing. He cut out all of the miraculous parts of the Bible, such, oh, as, no. <laughs> such as Jesus's miracles, and he had his Bible all cut up like this. And I'm pretty sure it's like in a museum or something uh, still. But Thomas wow. Jefferson cut out all of these pieces. So like a literal like picking and choosing because he didn't like the existence of the miracles in scripture. And uh, it was actually interesting. There was a piece in the Atlantic, I think in 2020 about how Thomas Jefferson's Bible is almost less believable because without that, we just get a false depiction of, you know, yeah. the story. Uh, but yeah, Thomas Jefferson is the true that's really uh, good, picker man. and chooser. Yeah, that's, that's really good. But I, I really related to that. Um, and I think, uh, I think you'll agree with me that uh, it's, it's it's crazy thing about, but it's it's really relatable, uh, you know, seeing uh, what Ananias was, you know, thinking and, and saying and all that, and yeah. and how we're just tricking ourselves. We don't think we do the same thing. So, but I, I think this is it was it was, I, I I definitely relate to it a lot for sure. Yeah, man, and it's just it's just so apparent. Once actually, I'm gonna take this time now if you don't care, and I'm gonna go in my little soapbox about Saul and Paul. Oh, but, go for it, go for it. All right, so like I said earlier, we know Abram's name changed to Abraham, Genesis 17. Then Genesis 32, Jacob wrestles with God and he changes his name to Israel. Andre's little Enneagram partner that he's not too happy about, but he gets to wrestle with God. So his name's changed, but that's not what happens in Paul's life. So you hear all the time, you know, God is somebody who changes Saul's into Paul's. Yes and no, God is somebody who, like Andre said, takes the worst and makes the best of it by his grace and his sovereignty. But... Saul's name doesn't get changed to Paul during and after his conversion. Jesus calls him Saul after his conversion. I mean, we could talk about later in Acts 9, Acts 13, a bunch more times. He's called that. In Acts 13, Luke says Saul, who is also called Paul. And so Saul is a Hebrew name coming from Saul, the first king of Israel, in Andre's current uh, book of study, 1 Samuel. That's his Hebrew name. Paul is a Greek name. And so Paul is first and foremost missionary to the Gentiles. And so it makes sense that this Greek name would be the one that is most used as the New Testament unfolds and that Paul refers to himself as. And so that's just my little soapbox about how Saul does not become Paul. But yes, God in his grace takes the worst and makes uh, the best. Us mighty sinners are transformed by that magnificent gospel. And so... Yeah, that's man, really that's... Good, man. And go. That's really good. And and I was just gonna say that um 
you know, we know about his, his about his his past and and now his conversion story, what he was doing, you know, directly before it. And then after um, the part that most people are super familiar with is is all of the the journeys that he took, um, and how he spread the gospel, um, helped start up churches, um, and you know wrote many of the letters that are in the in the Bible. So I think that part is really cool. And another thing that we wanted to touch on um, is how um, you know Paul, like we said, he went all in on on you know living for Christ after his conversion. Um, and some of the, one of the things that came out of that was that he suffered, um, you know, in the name of Christ and in the name of advancing the kingdom and many of his sufferings are, you know, well-documented in scripture. And it's, um, really crazy to see, you know, how he was imprisoned, um, all the different, you know, how he was mocked, uh, the different suffering he went through and how he endured through all of it. And, and many of the, of the words that he has, uh, to uplift Christians who were being persecuted at the time as well. And, us today. Man, that's incredible. And that's exactly what's happening in Second Corinthians, because in this book, Paul is going to oppose this minority of people who are contradicting his teachings. And at the same time, he's going to encourage the majority who have repented uh, and turned to belief in Jesus. He's going to encourage them in the gospel. He's going to tell them, hey, you're messengers of reconciliation. You are the people who uh, Christ has borne the sins of, and you're a new creation in Christ to live according uh, to that. So uh, just hopping into this book, I mean, this is unfortunate because it's 2 Corinthians, but uh, Andre and I were talking about this yesterday. It's actually the fourth letter that he writes to the church, which is crazy because we only have two of them. And so he writes this one or two years after the first one that we have. Uh, he wrote it from Macedonia, and uh, where he met his buddy Titus, who we know from scripture and who told him what was going on at Corinth. And, uh, just to dive into Corinth, Corinth was a wealthy city with lots of middle-class people. A lot of us can relate to that wherever we are. They're not all of us. Uh, and there were actually a fair amount of slaves there. And so there was like an ethnic mixing, uh, there. And, uh, there were lots of Greek and Roman influences. Uh, but there was lots of economic wealth. And because of that, a lot of people wanted to participate in, uh, the, religions of the empire, the the beliefs and the polytheism of the empire, because it brought them not just satisfaction, but it brought them comfort. It brought them uh, security in the community. And so they loved entertainment. They loved sports. They loved human achievement. And this is not what Paul's about. Paul is about how the scandal of the cross influences our lives as we give it all to the gospel. And so Paul's life and the life in Corinth go head to head. There is no there is no mutual understanding there. Paul wants the Christians there to be living in a completely countercultural way. Yeah, it's really good. And um, like you said, unfortunately, we won't uh, actually do like the whole deep dive podcast episodes on First Corinthians, which um, I mean, we will, uh, you know, go back and, and reference some things in First Corinthians uh, for sure. Uh, but maybe to give a little bit of background on that, you gave a lot of really good info on you know, uh, what's going on in Corinth at the time, you know, what kind of people are there, you know, can we relate to them? Can we not? Um, but also the interesting thing is, is aside from, you know, the things that they were into and, uh, you know, what socioeconomic class, uh, types of people were there and all that. I think it is interesting to think about that. Um, you know, the church at Corinth is like actually like not doing too hot, dealing with like many of the same <laughs> sins that we see today. And, 
uh, super applicable stuff. But um, do you want to talk a little bit on that uh, before we get into some more overarching, you know, just goals and themes and things we want to talk about and, and kind of some, some uh, what to expect uh, as we go through the book of Second Corinthians? So you just want to briefly get an overview of the problems there? Yeah, for sure. That, that sounds good. All right. Well, a year or two earlier uh, with First Corinthians, I mean, you can, if you think through the book in your mind, I mean, you think that, I mean, there's rampant division there. They don't have unity in the gospel, which is how Paul talks about uh, the, the gospel and what the community of Christ is supposed to be like at the beginning and the end of his book. I mean, you think about him, go through all the issues. And then in First Corinthians 15, he comes back to like, hey, you need to stick to the essentials. You need to stick to the gospel. The fact that Christ rose from the dead in three days in accordance with the scriptures. I mean, you think through the other issues, sexual immorality, a misunderstanding of marriage and of singleness. Uh, you had food offered to idols. Uh, we could keep going spiritual gifts. So there was rampant misunderstandings of a lot of things and how the gospel impacted those things. And then we get into 2 Corinthians and main issues I would say probably in 2 Corinthians are a little bit different because you have Paul trying to defend his apostolic ministry against these people known as super apostles, as he's going to reference them, as these people that are teaching in a direct opposition to the gospel into Paul's ministry. And uh, so you so you have that. But due to the fact that we know how sanctification works, not all of us are getting rid of our sins in one day. So a lot of the issues that were there in 1 Corinthians are certainly there uh, when 2 Corinthians is being written as well. And so this is definitely a church that, at, especially when 1 Corinthians was written, you could just say it was a complete train wreck, not following the Lord as they should have been. And so Paul here is going to show them what life lived by the power of the Holy Spirit looks like. The foolishness of the cross and Paul's belief in uh, power through weakness didn't exactly line up with the Corinthian emphasis on uh, wealth and prestige and achievement, impressive rhetoric. And so there's a clash there. And uh, he's going to address a lot of this as he gets into 2 Corinthians. So why don't you kick us off? What are some main themes in this book? What are we looking for as we jump in? Yeah, one of the ones that you mentioned already, um, just to reiter re reiterate as we get into uh, some of the themes and more overarching ideas uh, for this book, um, is Paul uh, kind of uh, defending his ministry and um, defending himself as an apostle um, especially in light of, like you said, um, some of the you know people who were making false claims about him and about his ministry at the time. Um, in addition to that, um, uh, another another theme uh, you could say is uh, Paul talks a, a little bit in chapter four and five about um, the new covenant and you know defends um, and and talks about and encourages the church through um, the ideas uh, of the new covenant, which is is also. Um, super good, and we're excited to get into, into those chapters as well. Um, uh, throughout the rest of it, um, there's, oh, I would say, um, many other themes, like Michael also said, uh, have to do with some of the same sins that were going on in First in Corinthians, um, and just um, encouraging um, the church a lot in, in many of the things that he had already told them, and, and kind of defending it in a way, but also um, reiterating and uh, you know, encouraging and, and helping to strengthen uh, the church uh, in Corinth uh, through many of these ideas. And um, so, yeah, I don't know if you have any anything else to add before. No, man, I think that's uh, great. And I think that uh, one of the most famous verses in Second Corinthians is certainly uh, about how God's 
power and grace is made perfect in weakness. And I actually have a friend. Uh, she's considering getting a tattoo, uh, I think, with the Roman numerals of this verse. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, Paul says that Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so that's a central theme. The Holy Spirit works through weakness and through suffering, which the people of Corinth hated, rubbed right up against the flesh of the culture. And the Holy Spirit uses that for the spread of the gospel. And so I actually have been uh, reading this book about the Washington rowing team from the 1930s. Sounds very random, but they won the Olympic gold. And uh, this this leader and boatmaker guy of the team, George uh, Pocock, had a quote, and he said, where's the spiritual value of rowing? The losing of self entirely to the cooperative effort of the crew as a whole. And I actually, I was reading that and I was just thinking about how much that's Paul. Paul is losing, dying to himself in the language of Christ, dying to himself for the spreading of the gospel and for the building up of the community, such as such as that of Corinth. I mean, we see Paul talk both about the joy he has in the believers, but also in the critiques he has for the believers, the tearful visit, uh, or tearful letter, all of that stuff. So Paul is both in anguish and in gladness about these people. And so I think that's a theme as well. I love Second Corinthians because it's such a personal letter. So we get to see a lot of Paul's like inward yearnings and his heart for, for people. So I think that that certainly stands out to me as we kind of think through the and, book. And yeah, one last theme is also, I mean, like, like what you just said of, of the suffering and, and how Paul's talking about his own suffering um, and how, you know, he, he calls them, them out on, like you said, like, you're not going to have all of these comforts and, and, and the wealth that you think you're going to have. That's not what this is all really about. But one thing I really like is how, you know, he does this in, in humility and he, he doesn't really, you know, just boast himself like, oh, look at me. I, I don't have the wealth and I don't have the comfort and I'm being persecuted and I'm suffering. And I'm, so the way how he does it, I think, is um, in love. And uh, I think that's something to really think about and consider and, and how we shouldn't, you know, just make ourselves to be Pharisees and, and have this mentality of, you know, holier than thou when we talk to other people about our faith or, um, you know, just being, being real and being, uh, open and, and, and humble, I think is a, a big theme that comes across as well. Uh, I think that's probably the last one that, that I see here. I agree. Couldn't agree more. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have on themes. Do you have anything else to, to tell us about before we, uh, get off and, uh, point the people forward to Thursday with this, with this interview we, we got coming up? No, no, that's that's really good. I mean, I think that was a really good intro on the book and, and kind of what we're going to be going through. Uh, this season will be Second Corinthians, as you guys now know. Uh, there'll be a lot about Paul sprinkled in, a lot about uh, First Corinthians sprinkled in, maybe a little bit about other letters and, and that kind of thing. But it should be really a uh, good season. We have a lot of awesome interviews planned and coming up. Uh, the one coming up this Thursday um, is with John Elmore, and we really, really loved that interview. So I hope you guys look are looking forward to that and check that out. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, what do you what do you think about this season? What are your thoughts? I think it should be really awesome. Dude, I'm all in for this season. I'm just shocked you're so upset about being po- paired with Moses and with Jacob. Can't believe it. Two of the biggest names in the Old Testament. But I'll get over that. <laughs> uh, but Moses is is a great one. And so I think if Paul himself heard you bashing or being a little upset with Moses, he himself would be would be a little sad. So, not bashing, just maybe someone a little, uh, a little younger, you know. <laughs> I right, just well, envisioned this like old man, uh, whatever. Yeah, we need to we need not talk about that anymore. But uh, thank you guys for <laughs> listening to this episode, and uh, 
we will catch you guys back on Thursday and, and be looking out for things on, on Instagram again. We'll be picking that up as well.